When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Our, our team is not very far. I've, I've been brought here to, to try and tweak this process and to, to get us to win a Stanley Cup. And that's what our goal is going to be from, from day one. Good, you played that. I was hoping something played Tweet, 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 tweet. This is the new Wild Fight song. How about that? Maybe Every goal, goal being scored? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Let's song. tweak. <laughs> Tweakers. No. He didn't say. No, you're, if you're a tweaker, though, it's, it's, uh, doesn't that mean you're a meth, meth guy? <laughs> well, if, if you you're know, tweaking. Tweaking. So <laughs> it's it's kind of a fine line we have to ride there. But the tweaks were flying today, man. Oh, it goodness. was unbelievable. There's always a buzzword, isn't there, with certain... Uh, well, this was Leopold first said we only needed a tweak, right? Mm-hmm. And then everybody kind of laughed at him, right? Made fun of it. Well, the, the owner is... Setting standards, he's not letting yes. his guy come in here and, uh, you know, we have interesting standards for owners too, don't we? We don't like it when they're not involved, and we don't like it when they are involved. That's a right? good point, <laughs> yes. <laughs> they're not, you know, the Polats don't care. They're not involved. They don't care. Glenn Taylor, too Glenn involved. Taylor, he's too involved. too involved. And Leopold. He's too involved now. <laughs> Ziggy's got it just right, I guess. Uh, I, I I don't know. Well, it's because he, he spent all the money on that stadium. Yes, he did. He did. He he put six, seven hundred million dollars in there. But uh, <laughs> anyway, the tweaks were flying today. I'm going to talk to Chip, but about that, and he was over there, and I don't buy it. By the way, I think this guy's going to make three or four big trades. And I, I think you got four guys on that team that we're familiar with that won't be there. October. 1st. When I heard the press conference too, the first thing I thought of is we're going to virtually learn nothing because he just got hired and he yeah, well, he has true. the excuse of saying, "Listen, I want to talk to my he staff doesn't even before know I who he's going to fire." Right, know, exactly. The, on the hockey ops, he hasn't so. even. T- and as he t- said today, he hasn't talked to the head coach yet about no. the roster. No, I got to imagine. No, Bru- no Bruce, I got to imagine Bruce is safe now. Oh now, yeah, right? oh, yeah, yeah, with that I mean, contract. The other yeah. thing is though, Bruce comes in and they said. Everybody sit down now, please. It's starting. Bruce sat out in the crowd. Bruce wasn't out oh, there. Oh, he crowd. was. Bruce okay. was like the rest of us. Did he ask a question? Boy, Bruce and I get our suits from the same place, by the way. <laughs> that top button is fighting for its life. <laughs> Your eye's in danger if I got my sport. Our, our sport coats come from the same place. <laughs> oh, is that button going to make it? Is that button, button going to make it? Thread, well, and you never sit down and keep the button button. No, no, no. You got to uh, let that button. thing go. Yeah. But uh, anyway, yeah, I think he's he's good. 
I, I don't know if he's going to fire shake up the hockey operation that much. I mean, Brent Flair, you got to think, is gone because he was uh, he was his guy, you know, the other... Fletcher's guy. Fletcher's guy, but who knows? He's supposed well, to be plus, a bright guy. Plus, too, what, what we've seen with new administrations in, in all sports is the new guy will come in, he'll assess, they'll yeah. usually wait till like, after the draft or whatever, and then they'll start making but a few changes. But here's the difference between the Falvey-Levine operation and this... The twins never said we need a tweak. Yeah, they said we need a nuclear explosion. Right, this <laughs> thing gonna get guys, blown up. Yeah, and uh, they did not. Uh, you know, they're not giving that orders. But I got a hunch he's gonna do some. I think he's a bright guy, and I got a hunch they're gonna do some things that, uh, but much more dramatic than they indicated today. I do have a question because you were there. I was here listening to it on on Mackie and Judd's show. Did we have a sellout crowd at the X? It sounded no, no, like there the, was uh, 10,000 people there. Big media turnout, probably 50 media people, but... but there was applause. Their, their front office comes down. Oh. And they're, okay. they're, they're ticket sellers and fam phone answers and everybody. They basically all come down and they stand in the atrium there. And it's in that atrium when you first come in, okay. the lobby. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they shake and they, they all applaud. Now, I was just thinking, because I saw you ridiculed me on uh, Twitter here, and I was about uh, farmer's markets. <laughs> and you know what? They need to be tweaked. That's what I'm <laughs> saying. No. I have nothing against them, but they need some tweaking. Hold on. Manny Hill, Manny Hill and some of the audience members might need some context. Yeah, okay. I, I, I'm completely Last out. hour. I go to the farm. I, what was I looking for? I went to the farmer's market. Oh, boy. The big one. The last one, year. Okay, the one down last by the ballpark. Yeah, and it's two in the afternoon. The shopping bonanza's over, right? There's Everybody's come in the morning and had their cup of coffee and walked around and acted like, you know, they were picking out asparagus or some damn thing. <laughs> but there was Squash. hundreds of pounds of radishes and crap still left. Why does everybody, they should only allow, if you got 50 tables, you should only allow eight people to bring beans, string beans. <laughs> Why do we want to throw all this stuff away? It's ridiculous. And you got all, let's see, and every table has got the same damn things. But why do you think Six they throw the items. stuff away at the well, end of the... where does it go? Well, they, I'm assuming you they... You can't bring it back next week. No, but you probably have a... If you do, the, I want my money back. The stuff that you don't <laughs> sell, I'm sure either gets consumed, it gets put into... Where does into, it get consumed? Or, they got 7,000 pounds of it. You or, can only eat so much My guess broccoli. is, My <laughs> guess is they would donate it to another cause, whether it's a soup kitchen or something like that. But well, I, the, the these... initial rant, Manny, was Patrick wanted to know why Farmer's Market didn't sell more stuff because they all sell the stuff, same they thing. They all sell the same stuff. And I said, do you want them to sell car stereos? I didn't know. <laughs> oh, hang on. No. Pat, did you have a Tom Powers moment on the Farmer's Market? <laughs> yes, I did. I did. I'm, <laughs> I'm, the Farmer's Markets are ridiculous because there's... And people act like they can tell the difference between one carrot and another. You know, oh, look at that. Oh, I got to get these carrots. What? Well, there's 25 more tables full of carrots. But you know what? I, you <laughs> see the same thing at the grocery time. store. You see, this, you see the same thing at the grocery store. Cause the, yeah, but there's the, not. But you're in only one grocery store. You, aren't, you don't have right. 28 different tables of that stuff. Because the bride will do that, too. She'll inspect every piece of fruit. And I said, 
Let's go. The game starts in 30 minutes. <laughs> anyway, I think they're a precious waste of everybody's time. You know, well, I got yeah, news like, for you. You, know what I you like? aren't their demographic. You know what I like? I like the little road sign stand. You got one choice. Oh, yeah. You got one choice. You don't have to walk all over it. You got tomatoes. And sweet corn. Oh, I love my guy that's so sweet beans. corn. Yes. And he's and in full agreement. I agree. Just that's it. Not in his head. The problem is all of those stands are owned by the mafia. That's well, the problem. Well, that's there. fine. <laughs> I have nothing against the mafia. Support your local mafioso. <laughs> everyone I know who's been in Vegas for all those years says the, the best Vegas thing. was the best it ever was when the mafia, when yep. the mob ran it. So, you know. What has the mob ever really screwed up? Yeah, well, yeah, maybe the Teamsters and stuff, stuff like that. Jimmy Hoffa's the last yeah. few well, days there. You know. How much better off was Cuba when Havana was run by the mob? Yeah, you know, they had modern. They'd have modern hotels down there now if uh, they still had the mob. So, don't <laughs> tell me about the mob being bad for America. So Sounding you want a lot like Trump? <laughs> Yeah, I do. I think I'm. I think I'm switching. Anyway, wow. Farmers markets. Uh, it's silly. It's just silly. Come on, go stand out in the street corner, and then I'll buy some. Enough with the yellow beans already. Yes, Everybody right. wants your damn yellow beans. <laughs> no. Well, one table of them, not thirty-eight tables of beans. We'll be back. Firestone Complete Auto Care and get their best deals on Firestone tires this summer. Check driveafirestone.com or your local Firestone Complete Auto Care for more details. Whatever you drive, drive a Firestone. Star Tribune uh, sports columnist Chip. Uh, here's a reason to love Twitter. Bob Stitt was the coach at Montana. Uh, yep. S T I T T for three years. They're used to winning out there. He got fired after three years. He's now working at Oklahoma State at uh, some kind mm-hmm. of a quality control job or something. Mm-hmm. He said. Uh, he said on Twitter, "We closed on our home in Missoula yesterday." I'd like to thank all of the people that placed for sale signs in their yards the past three years since we sold it without having to list it first. <laughs> well, he gets the last laugh, I guess, Yes, right? he that's does. He's got a job, uh, except that's he has to good. work for Grumpy Gundy, but that's okay. Yeah. So uh, we were both at the uh, the uh, press conference for the new general manager, uh, Mr. Paul Fenton, and uh, all the uh, talk about tweaking, and we had a lot of jokes about that. I'm not sure I buy it. I think they're trying to send out the message that everything's fine, so be sure to renew those season tickets at 90% rate again. But I I think he's going to do some stuff before we start trading camp. Three or four of these guys aren't going to be around. Yeah, and I I tend to agree with you because – uh, I would love to see the first general manager come in and say, we're going to blow this sucker up. You know, that's, yeah, just, right. that's just not what they do. I mean, they, they tend to undersell those things. And I think you have to look at track record more than anything. And, and if you look at what Nashville did, they were 
uh, when Pitt was there, um, they earned a reputation of, of drafting and developing, but they also made some pretty shrewd trades over the years, uh, P.K. Subban, um, Forsberg. And so they, they made some pretty splashy trades uh, to bolster that, that team. And so I wouldn't be surprised in the least um, if Fitton does that. He he mentioned a couple times today, he said, I want to make hockey trades. Well, to me, if you kind of – that's sort of lingo for I want to make aggressive trades or I want to make big trades uh, if they're there. And so I wouldn't be surprised if if, if he tells uh, Leopold, you know, we're not necessarily going to blow us up, but we have a couple of uh, assets right now that we have to move because – the Western Conference is really good. Yes. And to think that you're just going to make some minor tweaks and make a big jump uh, to become a championship contender, I don't I don't think that's possible with this roster. Chip, uh, what was interesting, to, I thought the biggest thing that he revealed in his favor today was what they've done at Milwaukee in the AHL. They've, yeah. uh, you know, they've had good coaches down there. They've concentrated on playing some winning hockey down there. He said 17 of the players that were on the Nashville team that went to the uh, Stanley Cup Finals last year were uh, developed through Milwaukee. And you look at uh, one of Fletcher's great downfalls, which people haven't talked much about, is what went on at Iowa. They've been basically terrible most of the years in Iowa. Yo was good down in Houston. But they're, if, if, you're, if your minor league team is terrible... And you're not really bringing up more than one or one and a half players a year. I I think yeah. their development. People are talking about uh, uh, tweaking it, but their development's been terrible. I think. Yeah. I lost you there, sir. Okay. If you look at eSport, Pat, with a minor league system, your team, the foundation of your your team, has to be your draft picks because it's yes. too it's too iffy to 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 bank on. And it's too expensive for one, but to uh, hit or miss, trying to constantly hit a home run with the free agent, it, it just doesn't work like that. And so, drafting development should be the foundation for every um, team in every league that has uh, minor leagues. And you're right, um, that's that was a big problem with Fletcher. And, and you go back, and I, I remember uh, the day Charlie Cole was going through rookie development camp here and just watching him. And, and I was up there talking to. Some of the management there watching that, and um, and Mike Yo at the time, and and you know they're saying this is going to this guy has potential to be a star, and he's a, he's kind of the poster child for it that he just has not lived up to expectations. I think he's been a good player at times, but he's been so wildly inconsistent. Um, and there's been cases like that across the board where uh, they just haven't drafted and developed enough foundation type players, uh, and so that's why they're in a situation where you got to go out and constantly trade guys or, or try to add older That's veterans true. because the young guys just haven't gone through them the way that they thought they would. And this guy has his long relationship with Leopold, uh, I mean, dating back to really the first days in uh, Nashville. I think when uh, when uh, Leopold starts putting the heat on around the trading deadline to, uh, you know, we got to make the playoffs. We got to make a push. Go out and make a trade. Trade a second and a third rounder for some uh, beat up old veteran like Hansel that's going to get us over the hump. Uh, I think a lot of those trades were forced by uh, the owner to some degree, and Fletcher didn't have the muscle to uh, say no. We're not going to do that. Uh, we're going to uh, we're going to make a good trade here. We're not going to make a bad, desperate trade. Now, one of the problems, of course, was. 
about five years in a row, they were fighting to get it, get to the playoffs. You know whether they yeah, were going to. You yeah. didn't know whether they were going to make it or not at the trading deadline. But I think Leopold has uh, has got to. Uh, I I I would suggest that he's hiring a guy that will have an easier time saying no. We're not going to do that to him. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I think, uh, Pat, this all goes back that day, July 4th, when he signed uh, Parisian Suter. And all of a sudden, the expectations for this uh, entire organization changed. People started coming to games. People viewed them as a championship contender, and the clock started that day. And I think the, the more time elapses, and these guys get older, and now they're injured, um, there is that pressure that, hey, we have to maximize this investment that we made on that July 4th where we committed almost $200 million to two players. And I think that's probably maybe instigated uh, Leopold because we know he's a fan and he lives and dies with every shift that, hey, we need to do something to make a splash to get us over the hump and it just hasn't worked. Um, it was interesting. We had a side session with Leopold after the, the main press conference and I asked him, I said, do you buy the theory that some things are just built for the playoffs? for the postseason, whereas the Wild clearly is not. And he said, yeah, I do. And, it, it, you know, we need to get uh, probably bigger and tougher. And I don't think many people would disagree with that. When they get in the playoffs, this team just wilts, whether it's physically or competitively or whatever. And so um, I think that's going to be a driving force when he sits down with Fenton as, as they look at it and say, why does this team wilt in the playoffs? Is it because we're not tough enough? Do we not have enough size, speed? And that has to be the sole focus. And, um but I, I do think the relationship and having gone back many years will probably benefit them because I don't I don't get the sense just being around Fenton for you know a little bit today that he's going to get pushed around. I think he has a pretty uh, pretty solid idea on how to uh, you know build a team and what he's looking for. Yeah, and uh, I, I I overheard a little bit of Leopold saying it's it's not so, but they got they have size here. They just uh, about uh, sixty seventy percent of the time don't use it. It will be interesting to see the uh, relationship between a uh, a coach who was hired by somebody else and worked with a different general manager and the new GM. Those yeah. are always uh, interesting situations uh, when. Uh, when a guy comes in, it's not like college football or college sports where Coyle can just fire guys he doesn't like, uh, but because uh, you got the owner to uh, deal yeah. with. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how he and Boudreaux get along. Yeah, I mean, we know that that uh, GMs and management type typically like to hire their own coaches, and so I mean that's just how it always works. But in saying that, Boudreaux's not just some young. He's not oh. Mike Yo. He's not Mike Yo. You know, he's not a, a guy who hasn't really been a. A coach and doesn't have much pedigree. I mean, he's a very established coach, and so um, it, it'll be an interesting dynamic to see. To me, more than anything, if they have the same vision on how a team a style play and how what kind of players they're looking for, um, you know, they want to. Boudreau has a set idea of how he thinks his team should play, and is that going to be married with what Fenton does? But um, it, yeah, it, it's something to watch because, like I said, every new um, management type coming in is going to want their coach, but. He's inherit, he's inheriting a pretty uh, you know, pretty good coach, so I, I don't think Boudreaux's in any immediate danger. But uh, if they somehow were to struggle this year and not win, then it would get dicey because I think he has two years left on his deal. It is interesting. He would have been in on the, the idea of uh, of uh, hiring Lavalette a couple of years ago, and every a lot of people looked at that. Are you kidding me? This guy couldn't mm-hmm. get along with his. Uh, 
you know, with his uh, sister, for goodness sake. I mean, just throwing yeah. that out. I mean, he's a surly guy who uh, who had kind of a, lost his reputation, and they brought him in, and he's done well. It is inter- it'd be interesting to see what went into that process that they hired this guy and what they saw in him because uh, kind of a pain-in-the-ass type of guy. Yeah. Uh, Boudreaux, much more affable type than well, uh, Labalette is. Yeah, that's what I asked Boudreaux. I said, is there any, you know, uneasiness that, hey, your personalities may clash or you may not have the same vision? He just kind of said, well, I like to think I can get along with a lot of different people. So, uh, you know, he's a he's a pretty easygoing guy, um, good personality. So I, I think, I don't, I don't really anticipate there being any kind of clashes personality-wise or anything like that with him and Fred, and I think they'll get along well, but it's just, you know, if things don't, if the team doesn't perform the way that, that Fitton and uh, you know, expects or wants, then normally there's a fight, uh, you know, fall guy eventually, and normally it's the coach. Uh, this uh, will be interesting to see if it mollifies the your Woodbury neighbors out there who are make up the basis <laughs> of the uh, of the complete sellouts. Uh, because I really did feel like you know in 2012 the honeymoon was over. It was that yeah. the end of that year there were five, six, seven, eight thousand empty seats in there. The season ticket renewals were down in the sixties. 70 percentile and then they had the you know then they did the july 4th thing which is the greatest marketing thing anybody's done in this town but i got the sense this spring that the disgust level was certainly wasn't back to that level but people were uh were a little fed up this spring i thought yeah i agree 100 percent on that pat and i wrote about it right after the season in that this town was angry. It was yes. angry at the wild. It was angry at the wolves, and they're angry at the twins. And I felt it. Um, I, I think the last couple of playoff exits. Well, last year they were angry, but before that, you know, when they were losing to Chicago, it's like almost like, well, this Chicago, you're not going to beat them. Last year there was frustration. This year I just felt like, you know, there was real anger. Like, when is this going to? When's enough of this stuff? And yeah. that's why I, I do think. And Leopold admitted it today. He fired. Fletcher that he listened to fan feedback and there was no way they were going to go forward. He could go forward. Um, there had been a complete revolt. And so I, I think, you know, fan anger got to the point where Leopold knew they had to make a change. And so um, we'll see if they get on board. I, I think this is probably a popular hire. I haven't really tested the, you know, the waters with uh, neighbors and social media yet, but I mean, he comes with pedigree. So I, I would think people would probably um, like this hire uh, knowing that he has a track record and some experience in the league. All right. Hey, uh, thanks, Chip. Talk to you later, sir. Okay, Patrick. All right. Chip Scoggins, Star Tribune, a sports columnist. Uh, Paul Fenton is the third general manager in wild history, which really isn't many in hockey where you've been known to change people about every two weeks. So, uh, and how many coaches now? Lemaire. Uh, Richards, we had Richards. Here. We had Yozy, Yozy and, and Bruce. Boudreau, and then we had the guy that Torchetti. Oh, Torchetti, and, sure. Was, but the interim. An interim. So only five. That's, that's not bad. Hockey, that's not bad. We call that stability. Yes, we do. We'll be back. Eighty-fifth birthday today for the greatest hockey player in the history of the University of Minnesota, John Mason. Wow, a wonderful human being. Were you guys? Around Didn't we here? have him on a couple of yeah, years ago did. for his birthday? Well, we had him on for the no, we had him on just a couple of months ago for the uh, which Olympic team? Nineteen sixty. Oh yeah, I think so. Yeah, here's John Hyde. 
Thank you, Patrick. This update sponsored by Concordia University. Get on track to a successful business career with Concordia University St. Paul. Learn online or on campus. Learn more about their business degrees at online.csp.edu. Still playing golf, by the way. Johnny Masich up on uh, the Iron Range. Paul Fenton introduced today as the Wilds' new general manager. He was, of course, the assistant GM in Nashville. That team noted for well, not being afraid to make some trades and moves. Fenton said today, yeah, he likes to do things to help the team. I, I like to think outside the box. Um, I like our people to think outside the box. I, I think that um, when you look at the moves that we made there, they were there. We made hockey trades. We were able to make hockey trades. And a lot of times in this this new cap world that we have, you're you're not able to do that. But we had a creative set of people that that looked at the situation and tried to evaluate it and then make the right call. So you know, I'll look at small trades. I'll look at big trades. Um, whatever is going to improve this organization going forward. Hey, let me say one thing. Yeah. What really got me startled and jumped out of my chair with excitement was when <laughs> Leopold said Fenton wants to win the Stanley Cup. What? So that makes him rather unique. It, it also people. did help them down in Nashville when Montreal handed them P.K. <laughs> Subban on a silver platter. The great Shea Weber. Yeah. Fenton says he thinks the Wild has a good mix of veterans and young players and just needs some tweaks. Hollow, uh, Manny, that was a gutsy trade because Shea Weber was like Mr. Nashville hero, yeah. hockey hero. So they, you know. It's just first, crazy because he was older and on a worse contract and they Montreal decided, hey, yeah, we'll take him. You're, you're from Tennessee. You know how smart those uh, hockey ah. people down there are? <laughs> wow. They don't have people like I'm me. I'm not from Tennessee, Pat. I'm from wow. up here, but my dad's side of the family. You know, but, yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Somewhere close there. enough. Close <laughs> enough. Yes. You've been there. That's what counts. several times. Yeah. <laughs> twins Tigers again tonight from Target Field. Lance Lynn for the Twins. Lefty Matthew yeah. Matthew Boyd pitches for the Tigers. He goes seven tonight and gives up three hits. Lynn. Yep. Okay. You willing to make that interesting, sir? Yeah. yeah. Well, how many is he going to walk? I picked a day, bad day to give up sniffing glue. <laughs> Your Twins lineup to face uh, the lefty Boyd. Dozier, Grossman, DHing, Rosario, Escobar, Mitch Garver, Logan Morrison, Ryan Lamar. Ryan Lamar, that's Just why like he's here predicted. to face the yeah. lefty. Yeah. Uh, Adrianza hits eighth, play shortstop, and Buxton's in center field. Uh, Lamar, if you're confused, I haven't told you yet. They brought him back up from Rochester to take the spot of Phil Hughes on the roster. Twins. Is uh, Grossman not in the lineup then? Or is he's he in the batting second. Oh, right? DHing, batting second, okay. yes. Twins designated Phil Hughes for assignment. They still owe him $22 million bucks on his current Score some contract. runs tonight, boys. Yeah, Score yeah. some runs. I think, that, I think I've detected why they're not scoring runs, though. The lineup. Well, Robbie Grossman's stinks. batting second. <laughs> well, they got to get Dozier going. We've been ripping everybody else, but he's got to get going, yeah. too. Yeah. Well, and Garver. Up that trade value so we can get something for him in July. <laughs> Garver's hitting fifth, and he hasn't exactly been ripping her up either lately. So, yeah. Uh, NBA playoff basketball right here on this station tonight. Game four of the Houston Golden State Series. Warriors lead the series two games to one. That will follow the Adrian Heath Show, where the coach catches you up on Minnesota United. Uh, Six o'clock, the Adrian Heath Show, then NBA playoff action at seven this evening. 
Big Ten announcing its men's hockey schedule for the 2018-19 season today. The Gophers will open the 24-game conference season November 9th and 10th at Wisconsin, finish it up February 22nd and 23rd at home against NCAA runner-up Notre Dame. The Gophers' Big Ten home opener will be November 23rd and 24th versus Michigan State. A Gophers and NCAA champion Minnesota Duluth will play a home-and-home series. Minnesota visiting Duluth on October 6th for the Bulldogs season opener. And the Bulldogs playing uh, here at Mariucci on October Much like 7th. the L.A. Sparks, they're going to get to see the uh, banner raising up yes. at UMD. So. Will they be out for revenge? I guess so. <laughs> All right, Johnny, thank you. You bet. So the uh, Fighting Twins must uh, feel uh, fairly good about their pitching right now, that they're willing to go down to a 12-man staff here to bring up Lamar. Of course, they'll probably go back to 13 when Irv comes back, right? Uh, Is this uh, expected to be a one-rehab start for Irv? Oh, no, I think it'll be... No, he can't sit out that long until they'll make him... He'll make three, I suppose. They won't see him until... June fifteenth, probably. It is interesting though that he's pitching tonight, which lines him up with Lance Lynn. Yeah, but what are you going to do? I mean, I guess you could put Lance Lynn put him in the bullpen. bullpen. <laughs> we just we just did that for twenty two million dollars ah. worth. You know, throw another twelve in there. You know, Lance does uh, have that surly uh, edge to him. Uh, I bet he'd be a real sweetheart if you put him in the bullpen, huh? But what but, other options does he have? To, yeah, he's got to pitch good. You know, he's got a good. It's not the I, Twins' uh, fault that he's been I awful have, this year. Uh, I, assuming they're out of it at the end of July, and if Cleveland doesn't wake up, they might not be. But assuming in a, they're out of it, I think the guy you trade is Gibby. I think you get something for Gibby because I don't think they'll pay him. No. no, he has one more year so left, right? He's got they can one more year. Oh, he's not a free agent after this I year. I don't think so. Okay. I think he's got one more year. But he's also, if he has a good year, he can take you to arbitration and beat you up for a pretty big number. Hmm. And I just, I think you could get something for him. He's, you know, he's better right now than he's ever been. Mm-hmm. Really, yeah. But I can't see him. If he's a free agent at age 31, I can't see him giving him a bunch of money, can you? Well, outside of of uh, the recently departed Phil Hughes, I mean, Oda Rizzi's got another year of arbitration left, too, but they don't have any long-term contracts left no. on the pitching staff. Oda Rizzi stays. You know, they they like him a lot, unless something happens. He's been good. But you got that Pineda, you got Romero, you got Barrios, and you got Gonsalves. And you like to have seven starters, right? But, uh, you know, Irv is probably done. huh? Because they Irv, won't pick up that I option. Think he's, I don't think they'll pick that up. Oh, what, but what if he pitches great? You know, I, I don't know what they'll do. But uh, I, I just, if you're not going to keep Gibby, I suppose you can keep him for one more year. But uh, I, 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 I'm just thinking, who could you get something for Yeah. at the deadline if you're out of it? Who's... You know, Lance, you're not going to get anything for Lance. No. You're not going to get anything for... And and I think I'd rather keep Oda Rizzi than Gibby right now, wouldn't you? Based on track record and everything yeah. else, yes, yeah. I would rather keep and Oda Gibson, Rizzi. And Gibson, while you might as well, if if you're going to move Gibson, you might as well do it while he's pitching fairly well for you. Because if you do bring him well, back for another and year and, and he's and bad, And the team then, that gets him can get him for two months and then have him for a year. Too. Yeah. I, I'm not saying that because... 
because I say, oh, he's, uh, you know, the, you can't count on him. He's, he's, a, he's okay. He's, yeah. he's, he's third, been fourth fine. starter. He's fine. It is weird because you want to remain hopeful that they're still in contention for the division, but this is the worst division in baseball. Well, it is. And it, it's a shock that everybody's this bad. You know, it's not only just Cleveland. The White Sox were going to be this young team with a lot of good arms that was going to challenge 500. They have the worst record in the history of the White Sox, which goes to 1901. Mm-hmm. I don't. They did like last week. I'm not sure they still do, but the worst ever at that point in the history of the franchise. Nobody could envision them being this bad, and nobody could have envisioned Kansas City being this bad, could they? No. Because they kept some of those They guys. kept Moustakas, they, they signed Zanton. Duda. Uh, they had some of the pitchers. Uh, Kennedy, I see, he got beat. I mean, they had three or four pitchers. But here's the other problem too, Pat. Baseball's got an issue right now where they're very top-heavy, and yeah. the tanking issue has reared its ugly head, I think, because you've got... So many teams that have the same philosophy now where they're trying to bottom I, out. I think that's become a cliched You don't think thing. it's really... No, look at the American League alone. Baltimore's but, awful. But the Baltimore's not tanking. They're just awful. They uh, they trade Manny. Uh, yeah, they got to trade Manny, but they brought people back. They brought Trumbull back. They, didn't, they did not unload during the offseason. They're not tanking. This is how bad they are. Yeah. It's not because they're tanking. It's because... They're bad. And, you know, Miami's tanking. And they're and paying we, the we price, that, too. Yeah. 6,000 people a game. And <laughs> good. I'm glad. It's lo- it's wonderful. That, by the way, quick aside, that I told you about this off the air, but, Mandy, I don't know if you caught this. I was driving home after the beer show last Thursday. Mm-hmm. Levitard oh, made, oh made Guillermo go to the day game against the Dodgers and count yeah. how many people were in the stands. <laughs> <laughs> we should, uh, we play, we found that oh, Levitard yeah. tape the other day oh, up God, when they hit the home so run. Much. Did you, when yeah. they, the first pitch of the year, they hit the home run? Uh-uh. We had this the other year. Do we, do we have it there? I got it here. Give me one second. Okay. This, this is, was uh, the this Cubs opening, opening day. day of the Chicago right, the first Cubs. pitch of the Cubs season, Marlins. right? Okay, yeah. yeah. And here we go. Jose Ureña standing at the back of the mound. He reaches down. He's rubbing some dirt and rosin on his hand. And here we go. Oh, now he's writing something on the mound with his fingers next to the logo. I can't see what he's writing. Pay supply. Probably a tribute to a dead person, most likely. Whoa, let's be gentle. All right. He's, uh, come on, Jose. Let's get this started already. It's most problem, right? Here. We'll wait you out. Sitting we'll around. wait you out for the zip line. Now he just kind of kicked all over with his, with his shoe. What he just wrote. Oh, here we go. Right. And the wind-up, and the pitch. Oh, God, a home run on the first pitch of the game. <laughs> 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 Welcome, Derek Jeter, and that concludes our Marlins coverage for the season. <laughs> they covered one pitch of Marlins baseball. The oh, closest, so the Levitard show, the closest thing we have to Charles and Shaq on TNT. <laughs> oh, so good. Unbelievable. We'll be back. Quiet, please. We'll be on the air. And now, this day in history. Patrick? Who was the toughest man to strike out in history? Joe Sewell, you're right. He struck out only 114 times 
in 14 years. That's once every 62 times to the play. I'm walking, yes indeed I'm talking, by you and me I'm hoping that you come back to me. This day in history. This day in history. Joe Sewell struck out for the first time in the 1933 season. May 22nd. Yes. May 22nd. I looked it up. He had. He played every day, too, by the way. At that point. He had batted 132 times. He'd been to the plate 132 times. Wow. That year, he would strike out four times. He ended up in the Hall of Fame. He was a shortstop, uh, and uh, he was from Alabama, tiny town in Alabama, little left-handed hitter, choked up about a third of the way on the bat, and uh, he, uh, he strikes out. One year, he only had three strikeouts. Oh, my gosh. And now, early in his career... He once had a year where he struck out 20 times, but then he got rolling a little bit. Uh, played a long time with the Indians. Uh, never really struck out, but uh, that year, we I thought in uh, in honor of the way people are whiffing now, Joel would have been uh, something. And he That's great, up, but what was his launch angle? Uh, he had very poor launch angle. Uh, and uh, one of the... Uh, he, he got in the Hall of Fame later on. The Veterans Committee put him in the Hall of Fame. Uh, one of his quotes, when I was a boy, I'd walk around with a pocket full of rocks or a Coca-Cola top, and I can't remember not being able to hit them with a broomstick handle. <laughs> so that was how he, keep your eye on the ball. That was Joe's, uh, whole deal, Joe Sewell. And, uh, he got into the Hall of Fame. He posted a lifetime 312 batting average, top 310 different, 10 of 14 years, most difficult man to strike out in games history, created records with, Fewest career strikeouts, 114. Four seasons of four strikeouts or less in 500 at-bats. And 115 games in a row without a strikeout. Led AL shortstop and fielding twice, putouts, blah, blah, blah. It was a different game. And uh, people now would be saying, get him out of the lineup. He stinks. But uh, Sewell allegedly played his entire career using the same bat. Black Betsy. Come when on. He first came up Never to the majors. Ever? When he first came up to the majors, he uh, didn't have a bat. And some guy gave him a 40-ounce bat, and he ended up adopting it, and it was a black bat, and it was Black Betsy. And if you watch The Natural, it's kind of an, the, old. A spin, an old Black Betsy. Wow. The, uh, the Joe Sewell bat. Yes, he uh, used the same bat. Allegedly, his entire career, which lasted 14 seasons. Wow. So, different game. 1933 was his last season, by the way.